Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James here, along with, uh, I almost said Michael Krog, <laughs> Michael from Sweden, and, oh, wait a minute, hold on, one of my favorite songs, it's not supposed to play that, <laughs> All right, I have to open it up so I can find where it's playing, here it is, kill, kill. Kill switch. There we go. All right. That's that's not the play we called. <laughs> so, yeah, and uh, it's. I was just getting ready to say, as in terms of a play on words, we're going to be talking about linguistics today. Okay, and some of the differences, uh, primarily here, between the Germanic and uh, other related languages, the Hebrew and Germanic. I think is where we're at in today's document. And I have to bring that up on my screen as well. So, uh, Michael, uh, how are you today? I'm doing very good. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful day. Yeah. We had so, an interesting discussion before also about um, accusations that we get accused of uh, bringing up some very obvious verses uh, from the Bible. Right, right. And so, uh, what we're, uh, we're again, it's Norse Israelitish origins by Michael Krog, and uh, we're at the point of uh, uh, the uh, entry here that says Germanic Semitic Semitic similarities, and we'll get there momentarily, but uh, I understand you have a a concern or two before we get into there? Yeah, I had questions for you. How how would you, uh, we see now how the world is, and this upside down, and we in the identity movement are describing this as a, as Jacob's trouble. Yes. Should it be viewed in any other way? Because I can only see this as Jacob's trouble. Or I don't know, because uh, you, if you point that out, look in the Western world, look at the American, how you are treated right now with this COVID hoax. This, this is for me. The, yeah, but that is also the problem to know who is Jacob and who is Esau. Or it could could they they be uh, spiritualized like the Esau is uh, is the one that rejected Christ and Jacob be the one that did receive him? I don't uh, yeah. So Jacob's trouble was my my question and how does we in identity yeah this with uh, Jacob's trouble? Oh yeah, well we are de- we are definitely Jacob. The Jews are Esau, and uh, the Jews aren't in any trouble whatsoever, <laughs> right? Uh, in these end times, uh, we are exper- these are the times of Jacob's troubles. And uh, unfortunately, part of our trouble is that we don't know who we are. I mean, if you're running around having amnesia, which is actually what the, what is going on here, we, uh, we don't know who we are and why anything is happening to us. In fact, we uh, have been trained to believe that the Jews are Jacob, but they don't fit any of the marks of Jacob. I mean, they don't have any huge armies. They don't have any huge navies. They, they, they never have been a blessing to the world like we have. I mean, all you have to do is follow the marks of Israel, and you can see instantly that the Jews don't fit any of those marks. But they do fit the marks of Esau, okay, uh, who has always been a curse. And uh, the, the Edomites are part of the reason why Jacob is in trouble today, okay? If you don't understand that, then you really don't understand the Bible, Okay. So yeah, uh, that, and that's it, what I that would say. is so yeah. well described. That is, the, I guess, the view on Genesis three fifteen, and that is 
a literal seduction that did happen to Eve. It is not the spiritual stuff that I guess the Judeo-Christians want to put on you. It is a spiritual stuff and you try to do your gymnastic to get around it. But you have probably heard all of them, Eli. Spiritual gymnastics, uh, you know, denying the literal meanings of the words. But also, uh, here's another area where the Judeo-Christians really lack scholarship. They don't study the idioms because ancient Hebrew and every language, really, has very prominent idioms that do not mean, that cannot be taken literally. And if you don't know that you're dealing with an idiom, then you completely misunderstand what's being said. And uh, you know, Dan from Georgia and I have been talking about the evenings and the mornings of Genesis, okay? So the those who want to translate that literally say, well, that means a literal 24-hour day. But let me ask you, Michael, is it 24 hours from evening to morning? No. Once again here, please. Yeah. <laughs> it, it says the evening and the morning was the first day. But how many hours mm-hmm. are there between evening and morning? <laughs> 24 mm-hmm. or 12? Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. See where I'm going with this? Yeah, so, maybe, yeah, maybe. Huh? yeah it's not, it doesn't say it's a 24-hour day. It, no, it says nothing never. of the kind. All right? But no, because, because somebody told you that's what it means, you never bother to check it out. You just blindly follow the false teaching. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, so... Yeah, so if somebody tells you that the Jews are Israel and you never bother to check, well, uh, I mean, what proof is there that the Jews are Israelites? Yeah, it's just a lie that's been repeated for 2,000 years, and it has taken uh, many of us that long to wake up, (laughs) right, to the fact that that is a lie, okay? So, uh, and this is a matter of linguistics, and uh, that's the study we're going to be doing today, the Germanic-Semitic similarities, and so uh, we have to pay attention. You know, when we're doing Bible research, we have to pay attention to idioms. We have to have a concordance in one hand and a Bible in the other. Because if you do not understand the true meanings of the Hebrew words and you simply accept the modern uh, dogma or the modern uh, traditions that have been created by poor scholarship, poor scholarship, and sometimes very deceptive scholarship, okay? Yeah, for example, uh, as I was doing uh, research for this morning show, uh, I, I found out that the it was actually the Jews who created a lot of these uh, myths about the Old Testament that uh, you know people believe today, okay? And they're, they're Talmudic in origin, not biblical in origin. And again, here the, the Judeo-Christians don't even understand that the Jews do not believe in the Bible. They believe in the Talmud, which is simply their commentaries to the Bible. So that's because they have not done any research into Judaism, simply believe the lie when the rabbis say, we are the Israelites and you are the Goyim. <laughs> right? They believe it. Never bother yeah. to check if it's true. 
I guess yeah. I don't know how common it is in America, but could it also be the disbelief that oh, but hey, we that believe in Jesus Christ are also Jews when we believe in Jesus, so we are all Jews and yeah. Jews believes in Jesus as well. I don't know. Well, there's <laughs> not there's not one Jew on this planet uh, that I know that actually believes in Jesus. They all hate Jesus. They're brought up to hate Jesus. So there's no such thing as a Jewish Christian or a Judahite Christian. Which, uh, of course, Judah is one of the tribes of Israel, all right? But they don't even know that much. They don't even know that the uh, 12 tribes were broken up into two houses. The house of uh, Judah, including Benjamin, and the house of Israel, the other 10 tribes. They don't even know that. They think Jews, uh, they think the word Jew is the equivalent of all 12 tribes. No, it's not. It's not even a meaning of the tribe of Judah, <laughs> right? Because Judah was an Israelite, and the, and the Jews are descendants of Esau. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, these are the days of Jacob's trouble, because we're Jacob. Esau is not in trouble. In fact, the prophecy that Isaac made to Esau said, The day will come where you will break Jacob's yoke from off your neck. So, I, I would challenge any Judaic Christian, tell me when that happened. When did the Esau, Esau, Edomites, take uh, break Jacob's yoke from off their neck? Well, that's when the times of Jacob's trouble began, when the Edomites, namely the house of Rothschild and their Jewish banking pals and their rabbis' pals, began their ascendancy over us in the modern world. Okay? They don't understand that prophecy because they don't know the difference between Esau and Jacob. Yeah, I fully agree with that. Yeah. And could that okay. be when Napoleon was defeated at Waterloo? That's right, at Waterloo. And uh, that was uh, the first big money that the Rothschilds made, uh, you know, by uh, telling people that uh, Napoleon won at Waterloo. And that crashed, that crashed the uh, uh, economy of uh, England. And uh, and the Rothschilds were able to buy up the securities of the British government at at a, at a penny, penny on a dollar. Or well, they have pounds, right? <laughs> they have pennies and pounds. So uh, they they don't even know that. Okay, they don't know the history of the world, and they think they can just read the Bible with their false assumptions and know what they're talking about. No, it doesn't work that way. You've got to know history. You've got to know biblical history. You've got to know archaeology. You have to know real history. And you have to even know some science to be able to talk intelligently about the Bible. But the vast majority of the 33,500 denominations don't do any of that. They just have a set dogma, and that's all they teach. So uh, it's very, that makes it very difficult for us to talk with these people because they are so set in their ways that they don't have an open mind to... Here, here we're talking about the Bible here. If you don't know the meanings of the words in the original Hebrew and the original Greek, then you will have a problem understanding what it says. You know, but they don't worry about that because they already believe they know everything there is to know about the Bible. No, they're very dra- dramatically wrong. Yeah. yeah okay. They're pri- prideful. And yes. may I also read something from Obadiah and see who is fitting for this. Okay. Um, Obadiah 1.1. Division of Obadiah. Those said the Lord God concerning Edom, we have heard rumor from the Lord, and an ambassador is sent among the heathen. Arise ye, and let us rise up against her in battle. Behold, I have made thee small among the heathen. Thou art greatly despised. 
the pride of thine heart has deceived thee, thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, that said in his heart, who shall bring me down to the ground? So, Eli, mm -hmm. these three verses, what do we think when you see? Thou art small among the heathen. Right. You are great despised. Who can mm -hmm. that be? Well, aren't the Jews a very small group of people compared to other nations? And haven't they been greatly despised and still are today throughout history? That And also concerning Edom. Here we have Edom. And That's also right. have the descriptions here of thou that dwelleth in the cleft of the rock. Right. Well, I think about the skyscrapers in New York City. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, obviously, that's a, li that's a literal reference to the territory of Edom, that dry desert-type land. Although, you know, it's not a total desert. It has a lot of scrub brush and grasses that they can feed their goats with, right? So it's not a total desert. But, yeah, they the Jews are not farmers. They don't have the lush green pastures, pastures, or pastors, for that matter, that we do, okay? So uh, Israel is a farming community. The Jews are not. The, the Jews have never been farmers. I mean, just check their history. They have never been farmers, okay? So here's another mark of Israel that doesn't fit the Jews. So, But they don't, they don't think in these terms. They simply believe, uh, well, I've heard this lie so many times that I, n I never realized it was a lie, <laughs> right? Okay, so, so this, this shows what, what a difficult proposition it is for us to get the truth across. But there was a very good, uh, somebody in the chat room this morning put this uh, saying in the chat room. And uh, uh, let me get it really quickly here. It is, the truth is still the truth, even if no one believes it. A lie is still a lie, even if everyone believes it. Uh, the guy, the author yeah. is uh, that guy unknown, <laughs> right? So, okay, that's where we're at. Mm -hmm. That creates a lot of propaganda to keep a lie standing. Okay, uh, uh, you were breaking up there for, uh, uh, repeat that please. Yeah, but it takes a lot of propaganda oh, yeah. to light that. Mountains of propaganda. <laughs> the mountains of Edom. <laughs> mountains of propaganda, right? Yeah, and so you can also take that uh, the clefts of the rock uh, figuratively, meaning, well, the same curse that was given to Nachash in Genesis 3, 14, and 15, you will crawl on your belly. Okay, and eat the dust of the Israelites, eat the dust of the Adamites, right? Well, that is literally what the Edomites, who are today known as Jews, uh, did. They, they, they were the servants of Jacob, eating our dust. Uh, we told them what to do, and they had to follow orders because we had a military power over them. That was ended at the Battle of Waterloo, and now they have the ascendancy over us. And if, if you don't see the connection here that the, that the Edomites and Jews are the same people, then you really cannot understand the Bible. So we're here to correct that defect in Christian thinking. Okay, back to you. Yeah, that's um, the ba basic of our understanding is Genesis 3.15. That yes. is where everything starts. That's where and that it is the key of the Bible for you to understand it. Then the Bible makes sense. Then you yes. have to start to understand it because the Bible is about Jacob. 
and then it also describes his enemies, of course, but it's about Jacob and his descendants. It's a book of genetics. That's, That's right. the central of the book. It is the book of genetics, absolutely. Yes, yes. Okay, and uh, so, oh yeah, uh, I almost forgot. I wanted to bring in, now we just talked about the Judeo-Christians. Let's talk about the other side of the spectrum. Uh, these, uh, th this is uh, from the Odinist website, odinbrotherhoodforum.com. And uh, the question I put into the browser was, uh, is there, you know, what's the origin of the word Edda? Because it seems so similar to the Indo-Aryan word Veda. I mean, and, and both re reflect the, the writings of, you know, of the uh, Aryan, uh, Indo-Aryans and uh, the writings of the Norse Aryans. Okay, so, and we're going to be talking about linguistics today. So here's the answer that the Odin, Odin Brotherhood gives. The Vedas are the oldest sacred writings of the Aryans. The Eddas are the newest. The Vedas are the scriptures of the Hindus, but that is not actually true. Hinduism is actually a, a very new religion. It didn't appear on the scene until about 300 B.C., Okay, Hinduism is a conglomeration of every possible tradition in India, all collected by a, a group of priests, probably even some Jewish rabbis, and then they claim that these scriptures are theirs. No, the Aryans are a completely different group of people, the Indo-Aryans. They actually descend from Abraham. We know this because their god, Brahman, is uh, our god, uh, our ancestor, Abraham. Because Abraham sent these people to the east. They're the, the sons of Keturah. That's who the Indo-Aryans are. The Odinists need to know that, and so do the uh, Judeo-Christians. They also need to know that. But he continues. So it's not the scriptures of the Hindus. Uh, anything under the sun qualifies as Hinduism. But the religion of the Vedas is similar to our religion. They're talking about Odinism. The Vedas contain no yoga. No reincarnation, no nonviolence, no caste, and no vegetarianism. Uh, I would say, that, no, the Vedas have a caste system because the Indo-Aryans ruled over the, the existing tribes of India. And uh, they stayed away from it. If, if he's saying there's no caste within the Indo-Aryans, that's correct. But if he's talking about how the Indo-Aryans related to the other inhabitants of India, then that would be incorrect. So, but this can be said about the Bible. The Bible contains no yoga, no reincarnation, no nonviolence, no caste. It's only, it's only about Israel, and we're supposed to be equals among ourselves, and no vegetarianism. Okay? He says, cows were slaughtered and eaten and were flayed for leather. They were also used for milk. The Aryans of the Vedas were polygamous, patriarchal, proud of their genealogies. They were tent dwellers, tough and warlike. What does the word Scythian mean? Tent dweller. According to Rig Veda, 721.5, the invading Aryans called native population of India the black-skinned devils whose God is the phallus, <laughs> right? That's what the Bible says about them. What is old becomes corrupt. That is why modern Hinduism is so different from the Vedic religion. Thank you very much. Okay? 
So given what they just said, they should realize that the uh, the people, the Indo-Aryans, practice a Brahmanic, i.e. Abrahamic religion. All right, so I just wanted to throw that in there. All right, okay. And of course, you being a Norse Israelite, uh, I don't know to what extent you have any dealings with Odinists in your part of the world, but, uh, you know, they basically, uh, he, he he just pointed out, there's some major differences between the Vedas and the people who lived there before the Indo-Aryan invasion, and that Indo is very similar to the Bible. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and okay. a commentary, Eli, so when it said no caste system, is it that something that did exist, the, the Indo-Aryans had that, isn't that a, a trace of that system that they built up because the I guess the Indians, the white, they they were they were segregating themselves among themselves. Yes, yeah, and but it's also a fulfillment of Genesis one twenty eight through thirty one, where the commandment to go and take dominion of the world of the planet was given only to the Adamites, not to all races. So that we see that happened in India as well. Okay, so here again, the Bible is true if you dare to understand it. It's true historically, it's true literally, it's true idiomatically, right? And linguistically, we see the linguistic connection here we are just about to discuss. The linguistic connection between Germanic and Semitic. Everybody agrees that Germanic is an Indo-Aryan language. But we're saying Germanic is also a Semitic language. There is no difference between Indo-Aryan and Semitic. So we'll turn it over to you. That's where we're going to start today. Yes, we are going to... Oh, I have an echo now. Oh, okay. I'll see if I... Uh, maybe I, if I turn the volume down on my headset, maybe that'll help. Let me try to do that. Yes. Okay, go ahead. Okay. I, I go on. It, do this a um, The old Hebrew Bible usually considered belonging to the Amito Semitic languages. Where Germanic, in Norse, and English belong to the Indian of languages. One of the most respected linguistics of the world was our own Yelmslev of the University of Copenhagen. In 1963, Yelmslev wrote a landmark book, Language, an introduction. That. Do you want to read on? An echo. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, 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 Helmslev wrote in his landmark book, Language and Introduction, that, quote, a genetic relationship between Indo-Arab, European, and Hamido-Semitic was demonstrated in detail by the Danish linguist Hermann Müller using the method of element functions in studies dating from 1906 to 1917. Okay, and that's what we've been saying here at Eurofolk Radio all along, that Germanic and Semitic are, Germanic is a Shemitic, not Semitic, Shemitic language, because the Israelites were Aryans, not Jews, okay, and uh, the linguists of the world have got it all wrong, because they also believe Jewish lies, okay. All right, now, are you uh, are you on a, a headset or on a speaker? Is uh. I have a speaker. Oh, okay. That is now more... it's gone. Okay. Now it's though gone. So I can yeah. continue now. Okay, go ahead. Uh, by comparing them, 
Yelmslib uh, substantiated the claims for the Semitic Indo-European and Finno-Ugarian languages were derived from one singer organal ancient language, which he called Nostrek. No- Nostrek. But I think uh, he should call it Hebrew. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Back to you. Okay. Uh, Yelmslev did not believe that other languages such as Chinese and the American Indian languages had a common origin with um, Nostratic. Okay. But there, I guess, is that the Indians that were Celt, didn't they spoke Hebrew because of those, um, that, uh, yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah, the American Indians, yeah, Celtic uh, and Gaelic. Uh, the, if you actually listen to the American Indian languages, like even in their chants, hey, uh, uh, hey, uh, if you can hear the name of Yahweh <laughs> in there. Uh, and America is loaded with uh, proto-Hebrew script, you know, the stick figure script, where they carried the name of Yahweh with them in stick figures. So there's all kinds of evidence that uh, in, it's just you really have to study this carefully. And much of this research is very recent in origin, like in the last 20 or 30 years, uh, such as a book, The Mystic Symbol, by Mertz, I believe her name was. She documented the existence of the name of Yahweh in, in inscriptions in America all over the place, from the eastern seaboard as far west as New Mexico. And here in Illinois and Michigan, etc. And but uh, you know, you know how dialects change over centuries, or even over a few years, dialects can change. And since most of these people lost the right, uh, the the art of writing, that uh, you, you find it, you know, you, there is very little evidence. But those inscriptions are proof that Hebrew was brought over to America by our ancestors. Absolute proof. Yes, further proofs who we are. Yes. More proof to you, you dear Christians. Oh yeah, the other book. Uh, the, sorry, uh, sorry to interrupt. The other book is America B.C. by Barry Fell. He documents all kinds of cases of the similarities between ancient Hebrew, Gaelic, and uh, other languages that the uh, and even English that the uh, white settlers brought to America. Okay, back to you. Yes, that book still to be found. I have I have yeah. heard about it, American yeah. BC. Yeah, you can find that. Uh, that's still readily available. The mystic symbol is not as readily available. Uh, it might be on Amazon. It might be. Yeah. Yeah, this is very intriguing histories to read and something to read for everybody to know that the histories before this, what do you say, Christopher Columbus, that he didn't discover <laughs> America. Right. Well, right. No, it was Solomon's find... boat. That's right. Yeah, and and okay. uh, and, abo- and the boats of the uh, so-called uh, Phoenicians, which uh, yeah, everybody says are Indo-Aryans, but uh, those ships were the sailors on those ships were Israelites of the various tribes, right? But it's quite likely that the businessmen, uh, the, the the people who ran the corporation uh, of Tyre, were Canaanites. But they needed good sailors, and the good sailors were provided by the twelve tribes of Israel. So Phoenician. The Phoenician language uh, is primarily Hebrew. It's Hebrew. Most uh, philologists will say there is no difference between Phoenician and Hebrew. But which came first, Michael? Yeah, Hebrew. Yeah, absolutely. Back to you.
Mm. Okay. The American Terry Marvin uh, Bloodgate University of Utah summarized his account in the doctoral thesis from 1984, uh, Phonological Similarities in uh, Germanic and Hebrew. The findings of this chapter open up the possibility that the linguistic similarities between Germanic and Hebrew, as presented throughout this dissertation, might be explained as the basis of Hebraic migrations to Germanic territory, possibly as early as 700 BC, with other groups arriving during the uh, ensuring um, centuries. Okay, yeah, and that's by Terry Marvin Blodgett, Phonological Similarities in Germanic and Hebrew, page 155, okay? So, and then they have a little chart here showing where the Germanic-speaking peoples live, and they're primarily in the north of Europe, okay? But then we have the (laughs) Indo-Aryans, who are also from the Middle East, but east of the Euphrates River, okay? The, the Shemites were the Aryans who stayed within that territory. And the Japhethites are Aryans who went primarily north and east, although they went as far west as Greece, because Greek is a language they, they developed. And uh, our people picked that up when uh, the Israelites merged with them in Europe. Okay, Every one of these migrations uh, trails is proof that uh, the Aryans were in all these places. And when the Hebrews merged with the Japhethites in Greece, they were the same race. There's no record that the, the, the Hebrew invaders, and that's what they were at the time, the Hebrew invaders, the Israelites, who eventually merged with the Celtic world and with the uh, Greek world and the Roman world. These people were all Aryans, and most of them, in fact, were Israelites. The Israelites actually t- became the predominant people in these areas over the other areas. Back to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So see on this map, we see that the Germanic-speaking peoples are yet yeah, Germany mainly, uh, and then we have Denmark, Sweden, and Norway, and then yes. also England. It's all this Great Britain is also included in this. Anglo-Saxons, yes. Anglo-Saxons people of the world. Okay. And let's continue then. Uh, Bloodget also showed in details that the vowels changes um, ablaut and umlaut, okay, today known in High German, was common both in Hebrew and Germanic languages. Very good. But not in other Indo-European languages. Yeah, well, when Abraham sent the, the sons of Keturah east, they lost that. <laughs> All right? They probably picked up local language habits in India. Okay, and they lost the umlaut, and the umlaut on the U is U, which is not common in English or many other languages, U, okay, and the umlaut over the O is E, you know, you don't get that in, uh, probably, in, maybe you have it in French, I think you may have that in French, but uh, English lost it, and probably you know, the other Nordic languages lost it, but that it was originally there, back to you. Yeah, well, we have those lang, those different one. Uh, so mm-hmm. we have that one also. <laughs> yeah, but the only uh, remnant of the pronunciation "u" is when uh, Americans say "u." That stinks, <laughs> right? <laughs> but we do how no do know how to pronounce it. <laughs> All right, back to you. 
Okay. <laughs> the Polish linguistic oh now. Um Grese Gors Jago de Sinski. Sorry for butchering that. Yeah, came Polish. to the same conclusion <laughs> in two thousand and five in his critical comparisons between the Indo European and Semitic languages. It is worth no noticing that there exists exists especially much and convergence between the Semitic languages and the Germanic branches of the Indo-European languages, and that my mm-hmm. okay, my uh, he has added that, uh, yes. and I won't I won't uh, take his yeah. name again. It's Jagodzinski. Indo-European and Semitic languages, <laughs> two thousand five. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, this is just scratching the surface. There's been so much written about the connection between Hebrew and Aryan languages that it amazes me that any modern linguist could not you know, could not understand this however these books are suppressed books that have written on, been written on this subject are deliberately suppressed and the jews control the publishing world and that's why these academics in the modern world have no understanding of this whatsoever back to you yes oh and some more here this yeah. is reflected in norse names the hebrew kohen means priest Old Norwegian kon means a dothy man or chief. The Lithuanian kunigas means lord priest. Today, priest king. Swedish rus viking in Constantinople. Rus vikings, could that have something to do with Russia? Yeah, right. Rus, absolutely. Um, Russia is where, named after the Rus Vikings. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, the Swedish Rus Vikings were specific, uh, specifically referred to as Jarl, uh, meaning uncircumcised by the Judahites. Uh, I think it should be. Yeah, I don't know. It could I'm be either in this case. Yeah, Depend- uh, probably. But in this case, it probably is Jews because those were Ashkenazim, not Hebrews. You know, in, mm, in, yeah. in Constantinople, although there could have been Judaized because you know constant, uh, the um, Greek Orthodox world and the Russian Orthodox world is obviously Hebrew, Israelite. Okay, so if he's referring to the Church uh, Israelites, then it would be Judah. If he's referring to the Ashkenazim who lived not far from Constantinople, uh, you know it, it would be Jews. Okay, so we'd have to be very specific. Uh, and and uh, locate the precise area he's talking about. Back to you. Yeah, this it's that's why it's so important to know who is who and yeah. who is Judahites or right. Jews. That's exactly. very important. Um, in the Hebrew Bible, non-Israelites are mainly referred to with the Hebrew goyim. Well, I don't know really. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, it's uh, that's a, a biblical tradition that's uh, continued by mainstream Judeo-Christianity. But that's, that's incorrect. The, the fact is that when Rebecca uh, had Esau and Jacob in her womb, she asked, Yahweh, why are my two unborn children fighting with each other in my womb? And Yahweh answered, because there are two goyim in your womb. Okay? Nations. It simply means nations. What, because the Jews refer to non-Jews as goyim, which is incorrect Hebrew, uh, other people believe, well, that's that must be what it means. No, it's not. The word goyim simply means nation. That's all it means. 
and you have to determine from the context which nation is being talked about. Back to you. Yeah, so this could be Hebrew nations. It could be the dispersions. I don't know if that is the one that's described here. Well, uh, maybe he talks about that in the next uh, next sentence. Let's see. We'll see. (laughs) But the ten tribes were indeed Israelites, all white, uncircumcised. There you go. Yeah, it was the dispersion. Mm -hmm. Mm. The Norwegian pagan chief Håkon Jarl, whom Danish king Harald Bluetooth baptized on Limfjord, would in Hebrew be Håkon Jarl, meaning uncircumcised Israelitish priest king. There you go. There you go. And you would expect that the uh, the Druids, the semi-paganized priests of Britain, who were also Israelites, and their the uh, the apparel they wore was very similar to the priests of Israel. Uh, they would uh, they they had a tradition that uh, they would have a savior named Yehu, <laughs> or no, I'm sorry, Yezu. Where'd they get that from? If they weren't Israelites, okay. Yeah, and we are the only one that should care about that and knows about that. That's right. Everybody else wouldn't care, really. They are. Yeah. They just are. Very good. Okay. Uncircumcised yeah. Israelitish priest king. Very good. Yeah, uh, there are overt and acknowledged uh, Hebrew loan words in English. Um, Doctor Isaac uh, Moson Moson. Something like I learned, that. <laughs> yeah, I learned learned you from Yeshiva universities in Jerusalem and New York. Spent many years on the the matter of Hebrew Indo-European relationship. In his solid work, the word, uh, uh, the dictionary that reveals the Hebrew source of English, from 1989, Doctor Mo- uh, Moseson, Moseson, brought Mosen, probably. It's about as good. There might be an extra syllable in there. Hard to say. Back to you. Yeah. Uh, brought to light no less than 22,000 English words with a Hebrew origin. Yeah, well, he dig up that. You yeah, see that like, we, are, we are Israelites. Like camel. In Hebrew, it's gamel with a G. It's just that the, the G is a little harder than the C. But it's, it's a Hebrew word. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Back in Genesis 2, 19 until 20, Adam gave all the animals names. Countless people must have puzzled over which name Adam did give the animals and just why he gave each one of them their specific names. Dr. Moison showed that the English word giraffe in the Hebrew has a meaning of neck. So giraffe means neck in Hebrew. Okay, so we took the word... Uh, for ne- neck in Hebrew, and well, because giraffes have such long necks, <laughs> right? So we applied it to that animal. Makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and here uh, another one also probably. The English word skunk has in Hebrew a meaning of stink. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, I have never, never uh, experienced those skunk. So oh, you have to come know. to America just to experience it. <laughs> it's unmistakable. If somebody if somebody ran over a skunk on the highway ten hours ago, you would still smell it. Maybe for several days. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, oh, 
That yeah. is extensive. Uh, yes. No, we have no no skunk, but it's the same. I guess the same name in Swedish, skunk. It's yes. the same word for this one. Um, and the English horse, a Hebrew meaning of plower. Yeah, that's what the horse is used to, among right. other. Yeah. Now it's interesting. In German, the the word for horse is pferd, p f e r d, pferd. And I'll bet there's a relationship to Hebrew with that as well. Back to you. Yeah, and this is intriguing. Reading those with a name that they have this that he did post. Yeah, here we see also the connection of who did create Hebrew. And wasn't yeah. that a son to Adam? He, he Heb or something like this. He Hebrew. What was the, what was his name? Well, he was a descendant. Eber was a descendant of yeah. Adam. You know, his direct descendant was uh, uh, not Shem. Sorry. Uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank. Sorry, folks. <laughs> but in, okay. in gen- yeah, it, it it wasn't it wasn't Cain. <laughs> Seth, Seth is the word. I'm getting the s confused with the sh sound. Seth, not sh, not Seth. Seth. Okay, back to you. Okay, um, you think the most ancient language of the Bible from the Garden of Eden can to this very day be heard in both English and Hebrew? Yeah, that's what correct. about Yes, go ahead. Yes, and what about that? You Judeo-Christians that denies that the Anglo-Saxon people are the ancient Hebrews. We are the Semitic people. We are. No one else. Yeah, we are the true Shemites. The Jews are imposters, and they are Canaanites and and, uh, Edomites, and they're they're derived from Cain. And uh, uh, around the year before B.C., uh, at the end of the B.C. period, uh, is when the... Canaanite Edomites began infiltrating the house of Judah and posing as priests. Those are the Pharisees of the Bible. They are not Israelites. They are Edomites, folks. If you don't know that, then you don't understand the Bible. Yahshua said about the Israelites that ye are my, they are my sheep and they follow me. Of the pharisaic edomites he said ye are not my sheep okay yeah you're not my sheep how plain can that be to say it's very they were the edomites that would like to yeah kill him and he said as as well you want to kill me that's right that's right now here we get into some really good stuff because the appearance of the israelites has always been assumed by most people, and for people who are listening to our material for the very first time, the Israelites were Aryans. They were not hook-nosed, slanted forehead, uh, crooked lip, crooked, <laughs> crooked-eyed Jews. All right, they have an Aryan appearance, and that's true throughout history. Now, because the Israelites were forbidden to make images of themselves... They, there are no such statues in ancient Israel. However, other cultures made drawings of our ancestors, and I think that's what this next section is all about, the appearance of the Israelites. Back to you. Yeah, and isn't it also now, I'm, uh, the, we talked about Buddha. Wasn't also the, the, the ancient, what do you say, statue of Buddha? Wasn't that more, um, yeah. a, um, he had more the appearance of an Israelite? Yeah, or David. Yeah, I think you're probably referring to the uh, the statues and appearance of David, who was an Israelite. He did not have, have a hooked nose. In fact, the Bible says David was ruddy and fair. 
Yeah, of course. He was the one. He was the one beloved by our creator. Said was an apple of his eye. Right. And ruddy means to have a pinkish skin to show blood in the face, and fair means white. Yes. It doesn't describe Jews. Back to you. No, it doesn't. This is the Israelite. This is David, and he did pray seven times per day. That is something right. we all should do also, so we are in line with his, his will and knowledge. Right. Amen. We should be praying constantly yeah. <laughs> for, for oh, yeah. the great awakening of our people. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, I guess, this sub, this um, topic we're having here is a bit could be controversial, I guess, uh, to discuss the appearance of this. How do they look? This could yeah. be controversial, I guess. Now, this is uh, crucial information for both Judeo-Christians and Odinists. Yes, okay. it is. So they yes. don't believe that the Israelites are are yeah. are associated with the the state in down yeah, right. old no, Israel. Yeah, they, they are not Israelites. The, the people who call themselves Jews, they are not Israelites. No way. Okay. No. It's our property, not theirs. They stole it from us. Back to you. Yeah, that is said in Book of Revelation two nine and three nine. That's right. Okay, the Israelites from the Bible were a fair white people. Okay. The heyday of Israel in Canaan, approximately 1400 to 900 BC, should give the best examples on the look and appearance of the Israelites. The Egyptian king, um, Shashesk Hak, depicted people. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> depicted people from Canaan with a predominant predominance of people with light and red hair, even though there were dark-haired people among them too. Often they had blue eyes and reddish beard. Dr. A. Henry says, a professor in anthropology at Oxford University, wrote that when the Egyptian painters depicted prisoners from Judah, there was not a single one among them of the modern Jewish type. There have been different types among the Israelites in Canaan, but it is certain that the predominant type was the Nordic. Yes, absolutely. Thank yes, thank you very much. Now, uh, of course, the Israelites, uh, the small clan of Jacob, Jacob Israel, before they went into Egypt, yeah, they lived in the land of Canaan among those uh, tribes who were the, the, the actual Canaanites, okay? But they didn't mingle with them, but they were they were sent to Egypt because Joseph was already set there by Yahweh to take care of them, okay? And Joseph was clearly an, another Aryan, okay? Uh, you know, the whole story of Joseph and, I think, Potiphar's wife, who was so infatuated with, Ju with uh, Joseph because he was such a handsome man, she just had to have sex with him, right? And she demanded that he have sex with her and he said no i can't do it you're, you're not one of my my people <laughs> do you think a jew would say something like that all right all right do you think a jew would would uh, uh, avoid a chance of having sex with a beautiful woman of, a, of another race of course not they jump at that chance right because their religion is totally different we are the, supposed to be the segregated people the jews are not a segregated people they live among everybody back to you Additional more proof of the marks of Israel, That's right. who we are. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the chosen covenant seed line all the way through the Bible has been uh, characterized with a specific appearance. Yes, the one above. We see on those pictures, Aryans. Yeah. Very Aryan, uh, yes, with beards. The bearded white men. Yes, very important. And today it's promoted not to have a beard, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the first it's a lot, it's a lot was... of trouble. <laughs> it just sometimes. <laughs> I speak from experience. <laughs> Back to you. Yeah, same here. (laughs) The first man who was created in the image of God got the name Adam. Adam from Adam. Mm -hmm. The two international most acknowledged Bible concordance are English Strong's exhaustive concordance of the Bible from 1905 by James Strong and the German Hebraicus... Can you please help me here? Yeah, yeah. Hebraisches und Chaldeisches Handwörterbuch über das Alte Testament. In other words, the Hebrew and Chaldean handbook over the Old Testament, or hand uh, word book, word book of the Old Testament. Back to you. Oh, yeah. oh, by Gesenius. Okay, Wilhelm Gesenius. Yes, something you have in your in your collections. I believe so. Uh, the uh, it, uh, it's not tra- translated that way, <laughs> but Hebrew and Chaldean lexicon of the Old Testament. That's how we. Yeah, I do have that book. Mm-hmm. Great. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure we have concordance in Swedish well, but they are translated. If that is maybe from this one, I'm a bit. I can check that up for next time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, very often, uh, since the English-speaking uh, world has done the predominant work of translating the Old Testament and other languages, then but I'm sure there are such scholars in, in Sweden and Denmark, etc. But not as many, obviously, because they're such small countries. You know, you wouldn't have. So this is why the English research predominates in these areas. But I think the second most predominant is the German. German archaeologists and German Bible scholars you know, would be the second and most most populated group of Hebrew scholars. Back to you. Yeah, and I think um, our, our we have much of our biblical works come from Germany, and our Bible before nineteen yeah. nineteen. Uh, that that was from uh, the one that Martin Luther had. Yes. So that's yes. the one the Bible we got. Martin Luther anyway. was one of the first persons to translate the Hebrew Bible into a modern language, namely German. Yeah. Yes, and that's where we got our Bible. Yeah, amen. So I guess also I will have a look. Maybe this is the one, the concordance we have, but I need to double check that. Yeah. Um, and those both people, Strong and Yesensius, expressed the full meaning of the name Adam. And that is Adam equal to show blood in the face, i.e. to flush or turn rosy, uh, be uh, dyed made, dyed made, oh, I don't yeah, know died, what that is. Yes, dyed, yeah, to dye uh, a fabric, a certain color, yes. Be dyed, okay. Dyed um, red, yes, to become red. Red, yeah, red, ready. Or reddish, it should be, but ruddy it would be another word for it, ruddy, yes, R-U-D-D-Y in English. Yeah, and as I told you before, Eli, this is the big stuff you learned me when I found this at last. Why am I red? Why do people laugh at me when I get red? Here, you <laughs> were the one you, told me. Blush, 
when you blush, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so, what? Uh, who was uh, Eric the Red? Wasn't he a Viking? Where did he get yeah, his red hair from? Right? Because yeah, he, he red, was yeah. an Adamite. That's where he got his red hair from. Mm-hmm. Of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Uh, we have also Adam to be red. Red from the blushing of the sheik. Yes. That's um, Eusenius. Yes. Um, Adam, Ethiopian, to be beautiful. Schön sign. Eusenius, yeah. The Ethiopians before, they were white, I guess. Right. They weren't and, uh, African. And since the word has been brought up, the word Ethiopian means uh, sunburnt faces. It doesn't mean black. It means sunburnt faces. And blacks don't get sunburned. Only white people get sunburned. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Back to you. Um, Adam, uh, that's original Arabic. The Arabs distinguish two races of man, one red, ruddy, which we call white, the other black. And Eusebius adds, but both the races are sprung from Adam. Yeah, uh, no, no, he's incorrect about that. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's not he, correct. He's, he's, he's a Gesenius, but he's not a genius. <laughs> right? No. No, he's making a false assumption that uh, blacks descended from Adam and Eve. No, they did not. Back to you. No, but he has this interesting uh, the Arabic people use it this to have two yeah. races of men. Yeah, well, that's uh, because Arabia on. has those two races. It's just Jasenius' uh, conclusion there is false. Yeah, that's well, okay. Him. No, but maybe uh, hold on, hold on. Let, let me. Maybe what Jasenius is talking about is the fact that originally Arabia was populated by white people. The the other races that were brought into there were brought in by slavery, primarily by uh, the conversion to Islam. Okay, so that whole area, the Middle East and Arabia, the Arabian Peninsula, and even northern Africa and uh, eastern Africa was populated by Hamites, who were white. They were not black, they were white. And the Middle East was populated by white Shemites. And uh, the north and northeast, uh, go as far as Japan, were populated by Japheth, all whites, all Aryans. Back to you. Mm-hmm. Yes, the Japhethite. And weren't they also the one probably that did, uh, did settle in, in Greek? Yes, yes, they settled in Greece, uh, Javan. The original area of, of where the, of the Greek-speaking people was Javan. That was conquered by the Israelites of Dan, who uh, basically took over, because we are the Dominion tribes, the 12 tribes are the Dominion tribes, over the Adamic race. It's just as the Adamic race has to take dominion over the other races, okay? Which we have done. The Jews have never done anything of the kind. They use other methods. Yeah, oh, oh, well, actually, they they do dominate over us today <laughs> since the Battle of Waterloo. Okay. All right, back to you. Yeah, they have other means. According to prophecy. That's for fulfillment of prophecy. Yeah. Yes. Okay. okay. Among the dark complexion peoples in the Middle East and Africa, the fair Israelites stood out as something special, especially the blonde women of Israel. Yeah, well, that is yeah. still true today, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We still um, stick out. Yep. Yeah. That's when why they Jacob, hate us so much. Yep. Yeah. Uh, sorry. When Jacob's Israel grandparents, Abraham and Sarah, came to Egypt, all the Egyptians were astonished over Sarah's beauty. She was blonde and blue-eyed. That's right. Yeah. 
That's why. And this happened today as well, I guess, when mm -hmm. they see the blonde and blue eyes angels. Yep, and Angles, is, Angla, yeah. angel Saxons. <laughs> that's that's where the word angle actually comes from. Uh, Caesar applied it to the uh, Germanic Israelites that were passing through. And he's, these, these people are beautiful like angels. That's where the word Anglo comes from. Yeah, and Saxons is from Isaac. Si yes, Isaac's exactly. Son. So beautiful white Saxons. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, I wonder if, if the world would call it that today, though. No, no, no. We're hated everywhere we go, thanks to the Jews. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and here's some quote from Genesis 12, 14 until 15. And it came to pass that when Abraham was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman, that she was very fair. The princess also of Pharaoh saw her and commanded her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh. Okay, now, now you have to understand too that even though the Hamites, and at this point in time the Pharaoh was, uh, had to be a Hamite, not a Canaanite or not a Hittite, that came later. That uh, they were also a fair people, but living in the hot, sun, sunny climes of Egypt, they would have had deep tans, right? Very, except for maybe the women, because the women were kept indoors and to maintain their white skin, and that's you know that was true in the South, right, of America, that the men would work out in the fields, or or the uh, the aristocratic slave owners were horsemen, so they would spend a lot of time outdoors. But the women wouldn't spend that much time outdoors, so they would stay inside and retain their beautiful white skin. Very, very common behavior of our race all the way down from Hamitic Egypt to you know modern America. Back to you. Okay. Yeah, but today the they go out and get tanned and ru and destroy their skin. <laughs> right. They get all wrinkled up. Yeah, and today I guess the feminist movement has made that to be something very bad for women yeah. to be inside. Yep. 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 And isn't that also this working in the fields where the name, I don't know, Redneck could that's be? Right. You know, that's right. That's right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I'm a proud okay. Redneck. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. a proud, proud Redneck. Yep. Um, so Sarah must have had a certain outer beauty, as the Egyptians obviously desired her. What it was that made the Egyptians desire the beautiful Sarah so much, you can read in the Dead Sea Scrolls, which were found in 1947. Here, an apparently Egyptian writer with great astonishment describes Sarah's beauty, among other things, which he describes Sarah is. How beautiful all her witness. Whiteness. Yeah, the, whiteness. Whi whiteness, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. Yeah, and it, uh, it, there's a complete, it's a, actually about a, a poem. This is a very small portion of the poem written about Sarah in the Genesis Apocrypha. And it talks about her, you know, uh, her, her beautiful white skin, her, her long shapely legs and beautiful fingers, etc., etc. It gives a, it does not describe a Jewess in any way, shape or form. Back to you. That's Sarah, yes. Mm -hmm. Then we see uh, pictures of the children of Israel. <laughs> it seems to be as today. The, the Israelites are the builders, and they are That's building right. again. Well, yeah. Uh, they, they had become slaves, but this does not show blacks. This shows white workers carrying bricks, right? 
-hmm. and carrying water and, and things like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Same as they aren't the same as, as well. The builders of the world is the white Anglo-Saxon right. people. The builder race. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. And here is the descriptions above. Uh, and the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service, wherein they made them serve, was with rigor. Very difficult. Then, like slaves. They were slaves. Yeah. Yes. And that's Exodus 1, 13 until 14. And above, yeah, slaves in Egypt making bricks. The two taskmasters. Yeah, that's number one. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, I have some descriptions here what it is. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, a depiction of a hieroglyph. Showing the, you know, and you can clearly see these are white people and they have Aryan features, not black features, and not Jewish features either. Yeah, and they said also this, as I said, the two taskmasters, number one, are both dark haired. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it even shows that uh, the Israelites carrying the bricks, it's hard to tell if it's their hair or, or some kind of head covering, okay? Right, so uh, I, I wouldn't go by that, but uh, the reality is the Israelites were blonde-haired, blue-eyed, uh, red-haired, some brown-haired people. You know, we have that variation in our hair and, and eyes. Other people don't. Other races do not have that. Mm -hmm. And this is just like, um, let's see, of the slaves two, three, and four, uh, there are fair-haired and two are dark-haired, just like the present-day Danes. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, and uh, this is probably where we learn these traits, <laughs> right? You don't find a Jewish bricklayer. There's no such thing as a Jewish carpenter. There's no Jewish farmers. The Jews are all concentrate in the cities and are primarily in the fields of banking, doctoring, lawyering, that kind of stuff. They do not work with their hands, except diamond cutting and counting money. Yeah. Yeah, we are the one that are the the builders, the builder race, and we Amen. are the farmers, and all this, all the yeah, the creative energy that we get. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so the tribes of Israel are um, descendants from Jacob Israel, his two wives Rachel and Leah, and his two concubines uh, Belai and and Silpa. The father of Rachel and Leah was Laban. And the full meaning of Laban is Laban, the white one, to be white, to make white, clean, purify, whiteness, brightness, transparency. And that's uh, Ecesius, Swedish edition. Yeah, then we had that okay. one. <laughs> and uh, probably uh, the word Albania is a, a transposition uh, or an acrostic, uh, a rearrangement of the words of Laban. Mm hmm Okay. Yes. Albania also means white. Oh yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here we have white. To be or become white. How can you become white? Yeah, right. Well, I mean if you come out of the sun <laughs> and you lose your tan, right? But even the word Europa means white. Okay? Yes, that's white paint. Yes. There's a lot of old-time words that mean white that, that we forget that they, that's what the, those words originally meant. Back to you. Yes. Oh, okay, and a, yeah. And Laban, Hebrew, equals Albino, English. 
The two words are derived from the same root word and have the same original meaning, according to Dr. Moussilson. You can't get any whiter than than an albino, (laughs) right? They they lack (laughs) pigment in their skin altogether, and I don't know if they... If they have to stay out of the sun, or, or they would burn furiously, okay? So uh, albinos, uh, you know, uh, Edgar Winter, or I forget which one, the the Rock and Roll Brothers, uh, one of them, maybe both were albinos, all right? And they had no pigment in their skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I know what happens if I'm in the sun. I get red. Mm-hmm. Red as a crab. Right. <laughs> all right. Okay, and here is this description, of course, of our king. And one of the king we had, David, is also spoken of as ruddy. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a, of a beautiful countenance and godly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. First Samuel 16.12 and also verse 42. Yes, here it is. David was ruddy. He was white. He was a mm-hmm. white Aryan, nothing else. Pink. Yeah, uh, it's like the song, uh, Engelin swings like a pendulum to... Uh, da, or so, well, I forget how it goes. <laughs> and uh, Westminster Abbey, the, the little rosy red cheeks of the little children. <laughs> That's the verse I wanted to get to. <laughs> Sorry, I butchered that song. Okay. Okay, let's continue. The English word ruddy, as used here, is from Hebrew, admoni, and means reddish, of the hair or complexion, red, ruddy, strong, mm-hmm. Ruth, von Gesicht, that's Yesenius. Okay, Roth, Roth, yes. yes. So Now let's see what they say now, then. Um, the so-called Jewish appearance, however, does not come from the Israelite nor the Jews from the Bible. Okay, yeah, yeah. Judaites uh, from con- the Bible, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To the contrary, it comes from the non-Semitic Khazar people, who at a thir- certain time had a strong ruling class of Jews. Yes. Approximately the year 740 AD. A large sections of the Khazar people got circumcised and became Jews of religion. They are today called Ashkenazi Jews and constitute approximately 9 out of 10 of every Jew in the world. Ashkenazi was the grandson of Japheth, son of Noah, and mentioned in Genesis 10.3, and therefore not a Semite. The Semites are the descendants of Shem, the brother of Japheth, and the son of Noah. Yeah, this he got correct, but I don't know why he, he is so confused in the in the upper part of the article. <laughs> yeah, well, he yeah, he under he he understands the word Jew to mean Judahite as well, you know, but he, he thinks the Jews are are, are Judahites, that the, the the people we call Jews, the Edomites. He doesn't make any distinction between uh, Judah and Judeos, which is a territorial term that the Edomites lived in, and that's the real source of the word Jew. Okay, not Judah. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah, we should try to get him get on to discuss this with us. It yes. was very, very interesting. Yes. And despite the fact that the Khazars were incorporated into the Jewish people, they are full, fully a part of the Jewish people today. 
But the Ashkenazi Jews are not descendants of the Israelites, nor the Judahites of the Bible. Now there he, he's got it correct. But neither are the Jews, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, they are not. No, no, there's no such thing as a Jewish Judahite. There's no such thing as a Jewish Israelite. A Judahite Israelite, yes, but not a Jewish Israelite. Okay, back to you. Yes, so now the people of the Bible. In the Bible, there are many prophetical marks of Israel in the later days, of th uh, three sons and of Noah, Shem, and his descendants, the uh, Semites should become the people whom God would use to let the world know of himself. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem. That's Genesis 9, 26. And there is a picture of Martin Luther. Yeah. Clearly uh, Aryan, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Martin Luther, the German, is the greatest light that God has lit since the death of the last apostles, even though Luther viewed himself as a descendant of Japheth and not Shem. Yeah, because he was, excuse me, he was confused by, you know, the Jewish claim to being Israel, right? He, he was not, he didn't have identity <laughs> teaching to guide him. Right, well, even though he, he later condemned the Jews fiercely for their you know, lack of faith in, in Jesus, obviously, and because of their torturing of the Hebrew into the Talmud. The Bible, he, he hated Jews because of their Talmudic teachings. Yeah, because he could read Hebrew, and he That's read, right. <laughs> he read their, their Talmud, and then he, yeah. he wrote that famous book. Yeah, The Jews and Their Lies, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, and yes, Martin Luther did write that. Mm-hmm. But it's been um, hide from many, I guess. Yeah, hidden, yes, totally hidden. Yeah, hidden. yeah. and so again, the, the confusion of scholarship, you know, because the Jews claim to be Israelites, and they've been claiming that for 2,000 years, has influenced our theology to a great extent. Uh, and this is why Christian identity has emerged in these last times, because the Bible predicts that the, the, we would wake up to our identity in these latter days. And here we are. We're waking up to our identity. And uh, so that's why we're preaching this message, folks, to help wake our, our brethren up. Back to you. Yes, yes. And this, I don't know, this is maybe controversial about uh, John Calvin, but we can see what they say here. John well, Calvin, a Frenchman, yeah. instituted a Bible Christian community in Geneva, founded upon the rule of the law of Moses. Traditionally, uh, Protestants count Calvin as second largest after Luther. Yeah, but we've uncovered evidence that his real name was Cohen, and he was uh, he was probably Jewish, and he stated that a little bit of usury is not a bad thing, <laughs> which is, uh, the Bible doesn't say that, right? And yeah, he was he was actually a Judaizer, and uh, he created a, a split between uh, other Protestants and Calvinists, okay? And I think his purpose was to, to undermine the influence of Martin Luther and turn it into Calvinism, okay? Because uh, Calvin actually retained a lot of Catholic Church traditions, such as pro uh, the sacraments, etc., okay? Which uh, clearly Martin Luther wanted to dispense with. Mm-hmm, yeah, so he's uh, a bit, uh, yeah. He's questionable. Um, yes. Yeah, his background yes, and his theology are very questionable, yeah. Yes, 
Okay, now I have a picture of uh, Johann Gutenberg. And, um, and the reason that we all can read of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the art of printing, which was invented by Johann Gutenberg, German. Since then, 98% of all Bibles has been printed by white Western Christians. The first book which um, Gutenberg printed was the book of the God of Shem, the Bible. The second book printed by um, Winkin de Vorde was on the subject of the old English legend about Joseph of Arimathea, the uncle of Jesus. After the crucifixion, Joseph of Arimathea journeyed to England and founded the ancient Celtic Church. Okay, well, I think the Celtic Church was there way longer than that, but uh, I think, uh, but I think what he's trying to say is, the uh, the first above ground Christian church was built in uh, in England at Glastonbury. Okay, I think that's probably what he's trying to get there. Uh, but the, the Celts were uh, Adamites and primarily Israelites that settled in Ireland, Spain, and uh, and uh, England, and po possibly in the North Country, who migrated inland and became known as the Celtic people. Okay, these are Israel. They were all Israelites. Okay, so but the Celtic Church had existed well before Joseph of Arimathea came there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. and now I see we come into some of the marks of Israel, and this is one of your uh, expertise, Eli. I know you have researched this a lot. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we have we some could, of the marks. Yeah, we could maybe bring that up in our next episode, because uh, I said, let me just check the time here. And, uh, well, we have about 16 minutes left. But, uh, yeah, we, we could talk about the marks of Israel uh, in, in, in generally. But let, let's see what he has to say. Yes, um, Israel's new name, the Christians. The pro uh, prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament said that Israel should be called by a new name after the coming of the Messiah. Mm -hmm. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness and all kings thy glory. And those shall be called by a new name which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Isaiah 62, 2. And Gentiles is probably is a wrong word. It should be then the dispersion. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's the wrong word. Yeah. Okay, that's a made-up word. It's not yes. to be found in Scripture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we have shortly after the conversion of Paul on the road to Damascus, yeah. the New Testament tell us what this name, new name was. And when he had found him, he brought him onto. Uh, Antioch, and it came to pass that a wool year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the dis disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. There we go. After, that's Acts 11.26. Of course, Christian, uh, Christ or Christus is the Greek form of the Hebrew word Messiah. And uh, it's not a translation, it's a transliteration, which means that they, they, they try to spell, uh, spell out the, the word uh, from, from which Messiah or the anointed one comes. So Christus means anointed one in the Greek, 
okay? And so that's how the, the radical shift from Messiah to Christus occurred. It's uh, the transliteration from one language into another. You know, that's why there's such a radical difference. They didn't try to uh, maintain uh, Messiah. I don't see why they couldn't. They, they could have certainly retained the word Messiah as we do in English, you know. Uh, that, but it simply means anointed one. And uh, today, christening, right? That's a, uh, they sprinkle water <laughs> on a little baby. That's a christening. It, it it has the same meaning as anointed, you know, or a similar meaning, not the same. Okay. So, uh, but uh, uh, the people of Yah is how I would like to say it. Uh, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, right? The people of Yah is who we are. Okay. Uh, so, uh, uh Christian is one of the alternatives we can choose for the new name uh, given to the children of Israel. Yeah, and, and above, in the sentence above, and the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness. It should be the nations shall see thy righteousness. A Gentile is, uh, is an uh, incorrect word there. Yeah, back to you. Yes, that word is made up and yeah. shouldn't be. Strike it out. In the Bible. It shouldn't be in the Bible at all. Yeah. No. Okay shouldn't okay and this is also israel's many peoples yes we know very many so god's covenant with abraham isaac and jacob were without conditions no matter what they did the blessings in this covenant would continue the blessings in the law of moses were however one on conditions mm -hmm. um, so god promised abraham among other things that um, his seed would become many nations Neither shall thy name any more be called Abraham, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. That is Genesis 17.5. Mm -hmm. And we know that out from Abraham came Isaac, and then we have Jacob and his 12 sons, that then represents the nation states in Europe and in America. Um, even Abraham's great-grandson, Ephraim, one of the twelve sons of Jacob should in himself become a multitude of nations. Yes, Genesis 48, 19. Uh -huh. Today, Ephraim is United Kingdom and the British Commonwealth of Nations. Yes, and Manasseh is you, America. Yep. Well, the, the Jews have never had a company of nations. They barely have a nation, <laughs> right? And, which they stole from the Palestinians. Actually, they actually were given to uh, by the British, who are a covenant people, not the Jews. Okay, So they stole it the first time. They usurped the throne of Judah in Palestine, and they took it away from one of the tribes of Israel in these latter days. They're imposters, total imposters. Back to you. Yes, identity thefts. Mm -hmm. Amen. Oh, yeah, so Israel, a numerous people, Israel should become very numerous and not just a small people. Exactly the opposite. Yes. And he brought me forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. That is Genesis 15, 5. And here he said, America, white Americans are in themselves approximately 140 millions. Germany, 70 millions. And the United Kingdom, 50 millions. Yeah, yeah. And there's only 6 million Jews. 
<laughs> they love that number six million. <laughs> so, yeah, and they've always yeah. been the Jews have always been a more a small minority within any country. So th these this verse cannot possibly be applied to the Jews that they would be a multitudinous people. No way. Exactly, but yeah. they stick together. Yep, they do. Yeah. So in Israel, kingdoms, Israel will become kingdoms, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. That is Genesis 17:6. This should only become reality with Saul and David a long time after the death of Abraham. But the royal family of David shall continue right up until the second coming of Christ. Mm -hmm. And here is the kingdoms gray. The, yeah, there are kingdoms and then Sweden and Norway yeah. and Denmark and, and Great Britain and also the Netherlands and Spain. They okay. are kingdoms. Yeah, and he, and he lists Sweden as one of the descendants, uh, the Swedish kings as one of the descendants of David, which uh, prompts me to answer, ask the question, does the king of Sweden actually have any political authority or, you know, is the monarchy there you know, just ceremonial? What's going I mean, because Sweden has not had the lockdown that the rest of the world has had. Did the king of Sweden have anything to do with that? Not, not to my knowledge, but he have no political power. He's just, uh, okay. as you said, he's just like, I guess, uh, so he has no, no real power. He has been that he has been well the the democracy. You know, they right. stole it from him. Coup. Yeah, right, right. They so in other words, they, the, the Swedish taxpayers <laughs> have to pay for all that royal stuff, right? But it, 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 it's still a fulfillment of prophecy, right? Yeah, the Jews have no is. kings. So I guess, None. No, no, never. Mm -hmm. Not even Jesus. Jesus was not the king of the Jews. That's not what it says there. He it says that he was the king of the Judeans, but the uh, that was what uh, Pilate had inscribed on the cross, and he would have rejected that. He was not the king of the Judeans. He was the king of the Israelites. That's what. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. He, there's a big difference between being the king of Israel versus the king of the Jews. A huge difference. Or Judeans, right? He was not the king of a multicultural country. He was the king of the race of Israel, and he will will come again with claiming that throne. Totally, that throne belongs to him. Back to you. Yes, and everything will be back in order. No. And isn't what also so that the the Pharisees they said when he he put up that sign and they said they take that down. Yeah, <laughs> that sign. Didn't they screen that as well? Yes, uh, yeah, right, because uh, they didn't want him to be considered their ruler, okay? And But Pilate said, I, what I have written, I have written, go away. <laughs> right, okay. So, yeah, yeah the Pharisees actually try to have that sign taken down. But it's still a rex judeum, uh, 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 I'm sorry, how, how it reads in Latin, yeah. Jesus Rex Judeum, something like that, the king of the Jews. That was a false ascription to Jesus because he was not a Jew. Uh, and he, actually, he wasn't even a Judean because he resided in uh, uh, Galilee. He was a Judahite by race and by birth, 
but he was not a Judean by citizenship. He never lived in Judea. So there's no way he could be considered a Judean. All right? But so that inscription was false. Yet uh, here's another instance of where the Judeo-Christians simply don't understand what was happening there and why the, the Pharisees wanted that sign taken down and why Jesus could never be considered king of Judea. No way. Okay? Back to you. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, so here we have uh, some text. And it said, in the 19th century, the first half of 20th century, most European centuries lost their kings and nobility. In North and West Europe, there are, however, still related kings and queens. In Denmark, Queen Margaret II. In Sweden, King Carl the Sixteenth um, Gustav. In Norway, King Harald V. And in Holland, Queen Beatrix. In Belgium, King Albert II. In Luxembourg, Grand Duke Henry. In United Kingdom and the British Commonwealth of Nations, Queen Elizabeth II. In Spain, King Juan Carlos I. And a question here, Eli. Maybe I'm, I've heard this in my sleep or something, but is it something about the fishes that um, the fishermen drew up? There were not 153 oh. fishes. Yeah. And someone made some uh, countings of this. Yeah, calculation. Uh, it turns out that uh, down to Queen Elizabeth, there are 153 gener generations from Adam. Okay, so uh, if that uh, I don't know if that could also apply to Carl XVI Gustav of Sweden, or or even Queen Beatrix. But most of these people are now working for the New World Order, <laughs> and uh, are no longer you know, real Christians. Right, so that's just an indication we are definitely in the end times. Yes, and could the next one then sitting on the throne in in United Kingdoms be Jesus Christ, and when he returns? I would hope so. I would certainly hope so. <laughs> All right, I have yeah. enough of these traitor kings and queens. Yeah, they are the bad ones because yeah, they were the also mentioned in the Bible. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Okay, how much time do you have left? Uh, we have uh, three and a half minutes. Okay, we can read this, and then maybe yeah. we are, are a good way to stop. Yes. Um, okay, all these North and West European royal houses are related. The genealogical table of Queen Victoria went all the way back to King David. Since England, Scotland, Wales, and Ireland were united in 1601, in the United Kingdom in 1601, and got the flag Union Jack, the Union of Jacob, all British monarchs had been crowned on the uh, coronation chair under which there is a huge, heavy and coarse salt stone called uh, Leafail. Um, it has marks in the sides as if someone had wandered uh, around with it for many years. Critical voices cannot give any explanations to uh, where Leafail hails from or why it has uh, to lie underneath the uh, coronation chair of the monarch. This type of rock is to be found nowhere in, on the British Isles, and neither in continental Europe. But it is found in Palestine. Uh, is it the Jacob's, Jacob's stone that he slept upon? Yep, yeah, he, he mentions yeah, that, yeah. that in the, uh, yeah. finishing the sentence. Yes, yeah, please continue. Yeah. 
Okay, the stone is none other than the very stone which Jacob slept upon when God gave him the great blessings in the dream of the ladder to heaven. Genesis chapter 28 and which the Israelites carried with them during the 40 years of wanderings in the desert of Sinai. Yes, very good, very good. Uh, let me check, okay, yeah, uh, let's finish that, and we'll uh, come right to the next heading. Yes, um, okay, and this is then. I'm sure the British Israelite businesses is true. I have read a lot about it lately, and everything, no matter how large or small points to our beings, the chosen race, King George VI of the United Kingdom and the British Commonwealth of Nations. He, um, he was a re regent between 1936 and 1952, Emperor of India and the father of Queen Elizabeth II. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately, he's the one. Well, it, it was a difficult proposition for him because the Balfour Declaration and the Zionists that were in total control of Britain at the time. And they made life miserable for King George VI during those years when they were stealing Palestine, first of all, from the British mandate, okay, and ultimately from the Palestinian people. It just proves that the Jews are in total control of our kings and queens and nations today, okay? All right, so, all right, we have 37 seconds. Uh, well done. We'll, uh, we're close to the end. I think we have one more episode left of this series folks so thanks for listening praise Yahweh pass the ammunition thank you Michael and we'll see you all next time bye bye goodbye